0: Listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate.
1: Today we are doing a deal analysis on a partial burr in the Springs Market on a single family residence. And Jenny, you're the one that found this property, you're the agent, so you're gonna walk us through it. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How about yourself, Chris?
1: Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm really excited to see these numbers since burrs, and in this case even partial burrs, are kind of in the realm of you know unicorns and rainbows for a lot of properties out here in the front range right now. So I'm, I'm really curious to see the numbers on here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was really excited when I found this one um, after we had just done our presentation on <laughs> why bears don't really exist in the springs anymore. And um, I guess I'm you know, going to take my foot out of my mouth on this one because we, we found one that, that works. So I'm excited to go through it.
1: All right. So uh, as we talk about this, of course, we've got the uh, show notes in the blog post and also this video up on YouTube as well. But what's the overview on this property, Jenny?
0: Yeah. So as you mentioned, I found this one off market and, uh, based on talking to my clients, I realized that this would perfectly match one of the buyers, um, that we're working with and a little bit about the buyer himself. He does have one rental property prior to this one, and this is going to be his first burr property.
1: And was he, was he looking for a, a burr, partial burr, partial burr or rental? Or was he was looking for a good like what was his criteria?
0: He was hoping for a burr, um, but he was open to just a traditional rental property. Um, I think one of the things that set him apart is that he was able to purchase this property all cash. Um, and as we'll get into, the seller was looking for someone who could act very quick in which this buyer was able to. So that was kind of his um, competitive advantage for this one.
1: Okay. So we'll get in those details. I'm actually really curious how you took it down. So what's the property like itself?
0: Yeah. So just to to mention, we bought this one in December of 2020. So it was a very, very recent example that we can use for this. Um, So it's a single family home, three beds, one bath. Uh, It's located um, off Platten Circle in that area. I have a rental property that is very close by to this particular property. So um, that's kind of what flagged it for me because I had just got it reappraised and re-rented. So I knew knew what the current numbers were going to be. So I was able to kind of spit that out to the buyer really quickly um, for him to do his quick analysis on that. Um, but the property was listed at two hundred and eleven thousand, and he purchased it for two hundred and eleven thousand. And some of the features that we liked about this property is um, there's room for equity, uh, an equity play on that, and we'll kind of get into the ARV in a little bit. But the property itself, it was in good condition. It does need some systems work, like electric, furnace, water heater. Those could all. Uh, the furnace and the water heater can, can get replaced, uh, you know, over the next year or so probably before they completely uh, um, stop working. And then there are some electric things that the buyer is going to have to do sooner rather than later.
1: Like anything um, major or?
0: No, it was just a couple um, handyman wiring <laughs> situations going on um, that he'll want to get an electrician to go into just to make sure it's extra safe for, for the tenant gotcha um, but okay. nothing nothing major yeah and then it's currently rented with a long-term tenant um, in there who does intend to stay so the buyer' going to work with him to push rents up a little bit while he you know simultaneously uh, improves the property and we kind of recognize this as the buyer's first burr property and something that um, he and i discussed pretty in detail during this whole process was there is equity room in this property. It's not, um, it's not a home run, that's for sure. And I think we both recognize that, but this is a really good deal in this market in this location. Um, And kind of what I explained to him is even if you were to take this down and mess up a little bit along the process while you're learning the process of a bird, and while you're learning how to renovate these rental properties, you're still going to come out on top. You're still going to actually have equity built into the property um, unless you majorly, majorly uh, <laughs> make the wrong choices, I guess. But I, I just can't see that happening in this case. So kind of um, looking at it from a, a learning angle was, was really appealing to him as well. And
1: that's a really good attitude to go in there with it is, you know, is, especially if you're, if you're newer, is going in there and realizing, hey, you're going to pay your dues, you're going to make some mistakes, you have to put your time in. And I often relate things, because this was my mindset when I was in college, as I was getting into entrepreneurship and learning about investing. I was like, hey, I'm going to college for four, in reality, four and a half years, was it took me to graduate college. And I said, hey, I'm spending money for four years before I make a dime for my degree. I gotta take that same mindset as I learn business and investing. I gotta put my I gotta pay my my dues, you know, time and money in to get it out. Obviously, we all wanna be at the, you know, we want the the best education as short sure as possible for the least amount of money. Um but I've always taken the same mindset and I've I've found that other investors and just successful people in general, they have that same mindset, it's Like, hey, I'm gonna buy this, numbers make sense, but realize, hey, I gotta have wiggle room in there for for you know, for errors. And be okay with it. That's just, that's your freshman year. That's your sophomore. That's your senior year of college. And even advanced investors, they make mistakes all the time. You know, should be less than a newer investor, but you have to budget it in there. And I think have an ad to like, hey, this is going to be a great property, but most importantly, it's going to be amazing learning experience. Because that learning experience over the next 10, 20 years will have a huge impact on this investor's career.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what, I mean, to be able to buy something in this market and have room for mistakes, that's very rare. So I think um, it's a good opportunity for for someone who's learning. All right. Going into the contract details. So finding the property, um, found this property off market, and how we were able to get this property under contract, um, acting fast. It was a two-week close, and it was over Thanksgiving. So it probably would have been even Sooner had you know, title and everything been open <laughs> at that time, um, but the buyer provided the seller with her wish list offer.
1: Which I mean, besides, it sounds like because you guys came in at the ask price mm-hmm. and speed were were those the only were those the only two things on the wish list, or was there other things as well?
0: That was it. Okay. Um speed, cash, asking price, and then she wanted to be respectful to her. Tenant that was in there because he had been, you know, a good tenant to her, and the buyer, um, you know, he respected that as well, and he's he's carrying the torch on that. So I think everyone um, in the process is quite happy with how this turned out. Well,
1: you create a win-win situation. So yeah. I know you found this off-market without um, when you found this property. Like you know, when did you find this property? And when did you talk to your investor client and how soon did you have the offer? because this stuff, you have to often move very, very quickly on, not just the contract side, but from seeing it to getting it locked up.
0: Um, I think it was within two days. We didn't even see the property. Um, We just saw, um, yeah, I I think we just looked on Google Maps (laughs) before he wrote up the the contract. Um, And then the buyer, he actually... Waived inspection, but he did not waive inspection termination, meaning that he was not going to object to anything that he saw when we did an actual inspection with the inspector. But he had the right to walk away if he chose to.
1: And was there anything uh, in terms of contract was was uh, earnest money hard earlier than usual, or any dates and deadlines different than usual? Besides the, you know, this inspection update
0: no uh we didn't do a hard earnest money um no one really yeah the seller wasn't too concerned about that i think she just wanted um to not get nickled and dime that was uh made very clear to us that she just kind of wanted you know to be done with it um but we did want to make sure that the buyer was protected and that he could walk if he saw something that was an absolute deal breaker once we kind of got into the weeds of it
1: yep okay and so two week and you said it close right after Thanksgiving? Yes, correct. Okay. All right, so mm-hmm. two week close here, uh came in cash and the inspection. It sounded like earlier in the er- earlier discussion that nothing major popped up, just some handyman stuff and to be expected stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah, nothing nothing too scary. <laughs> right. Um yeah. So just kind of going through uh, the financing piece of it, how the buyer acquired the property, he uh, purchased it in cash and he's exploring cash out refinance options to be able to do the repeat part of the BRR, um for future properties. And as a result, there's no appraisal, no PMI, no interest rate on that. But um, going into seller concessions, we did um, get $1,000 back be a seller concession to the buyer um, because i apparently there was a confusion as to who owned which appliances in the property um and it was kind of a lot of back and forth with that between the seller thinking that she might have owned some and then once we were there for the inspection the tenant mentioning that he owned it so <laughs> so um you know, the seller assumed that the tenant was was correct in their assumption as to which appliances were who. So the buyer felt a thousand dollars was, um, you know, a, a, a good concession amount. So that once the tenant moves out, he can replenish the the appliances.
1: Yep. Makes sense. Yep. All right. And so we're gonna dive into the takeout financing here in a minute. So I know you got a recap here. I got a bunch of questions I was holding on to for this part, Jenny. So okay. re- recap but I'm going to like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to start fire hosing you questions.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm ready. <laughs> all um, right.
1: All right. So to, to make sure I got this right. So two week close purchases, purchase this for $211,000 cash mm-hmm. plus about $2,000 in closing cost. Um, estimated rehab is $25,000. What Correct. is that rehab for? And what is the timeline of it?
0: So in terms of the timeline, that is a great question. I'm not sure what the buyer intends to do in terms of the speediness of of that. So in terms of the major items that need to be fixed, um, the furnace, the water heater, those are gonna need to be replaced sooner rather than later. Uh, There's some electric work that needs to be replaced, but um, otherwise it's really just kind of cosmetic type items. Floor, paint, um, windows, trim work around the windows on the exterior of the home. Really just a good power washing of the home, if I remember correctly. Um, But everything else was honestly in pretty good shape. The kitchen was updated. Um, The bathroom could probably use a little bit of updating, but I can't imagine that would um, cost too much because it's a pretty pretty small bathroom. Um, So in terms of the timeline that the buyer intends on doing this, Um, I'm not really sure what he, what he's expecting. I would say with a tenant in place, I would probably budget for several months. Um, it all depends on the buyer's ability to, or excuse me, the tenant's ability to kind of maneuver around, uh, some of the rehab work and all that good stuff. But, um, I have rehabbed a, a property with a tenant in place and, um, you know, as long as they're kind of. Uh, amenable to it you can get it done.
1: Okay. So the tends yeah. to remain in the remain, remain in the property during the rehab. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what are the rent, what's the rent situation like?
0: Yeah, so this is I think what scared a lot of people off at first um is that it's rented at $1,050 per month, which is extremely under market value. Um especially in this area uh, of a house that size. Um, As I mentioned, I have a a property that's um, identical in in, um, attributes to this particular property. Uh, Mine is updated, but we are renting it at 1450 a month. So that's kind of what I told the the buyer as a good benchmark um, when he's running his numbers. Um, I think that's probably a, a good figure to work with. Um, so because the tenant residing in there is a really great tenant, the buyer wants to work with him to keep him there. So I think he's going to roll out a incremental rent increase plan with him and see, kind of work with the buyer to see what is a good balance as to what the timing of when he can start increasing the rent, what the buyer can, or what the tenant can afford, um, those sorts of, of conversations.
1: And do you know is he do you, uh is he going to get it up to market rent at fourteen fifty with a tenant, or do you think there might be some wiggle room there since the tenant's legacy and living through a remodel?
0: I think he's going to probably do the latter. Okay, the latter option, yeah. And that's what I had. That's the same conversation with him. That um, I have a couple properties that the tenants have lived there longer than I've owned it. Um, going on. I guess four years now. And I mean, great tenants were not at market value and that's fine because I think that's worth something in and of itself to have that stability um, and just have a really good tenant occupying that home. And
1: so, I mean, this is something else, you know, to to really highlight here because it's, it's pretty, you know, this is not the norm to have a tenant living through a remodel. Um, But let's say the tenant, you know, did move out. Well, that's going to be, I think three months of vacancy is a reasonable time to get it updated and rent it out. Maybe will maybe two to three months. I don't know the property, but like, Hey, two or three months of, of no income, or do you have, you know, lower income coming in and then maybe a slightly lower the market rent as a thank you to the tenant. And it comes mm-hmm. out to numbers. Like, you know, I could see it going either way, but it's one of the things with a great tenant willing to do that. Yeah. Don't, don't trip over a few bucks would be my, would be my gut reaction.
0: I agree. Yeah. I I mean, we, we see our tenants as partners with us. We want them to be happy. Um, you know, and we, if we have, uh, something that we're thinking about doing, we'll, we'll talk to them about it and see if that's something that they're amenable to, um, within reason, if it's a cosmetic thing, if it's, (laughs) if it's something that needs to be done, it's a, that's a different story. But, um, yeah, I mean I think that having open communication about that is uh, probably the the best key of making sure that everyone's on the same page.
1: All right, so getting to the third are buy, renovate, rent, refinance. You got the estimated ARV after repair value is at 265, the new loan at 75%, which is, you know, 75% of the new value of 265 is a 199 loan balance not including closing cost. So I know you said this is a partial burr. How do the numbers mm-hmm. shake out? How much money is he leaving in the property?
0: Yeah. So just kind of running through what what we've talked about. So if we're talking two hundred and thirty eight thousand is our all in.
1: And that's and, the purchase price plus closing costs plus rehab. Two eleven yeah. plus two thousand plus twenty five thousand.
0: That's correct. And then if we're saying our new loan is 199, we're looking at about 40,000 total cash left in the home. So it's kind of the easiest way (laughs) to think about it in my opinion, Um, which comes to about 15% of the appraised home value, which you just mentioned was 265. However, I think the important thing to highlight is that's 15% of the appraised home value considering the amount of cash left in the property, but you have 25% equity in the home. So I think that is something to highlight and that's what the benefit of, of the birth strategy is. So he's creating 10% equity via this partial birth strategy. Um, And I think another way to look at it is if we were to put 25% down cash on a $265,000 property, that's $66,000 right there. So Mm -hmm. he's only putting $40,000 into it. So that's another way to look at it.
1: And if he's got the 25% equity position, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, for most lenders, what is required to do a refinance in these situations um, you know, you're gonna get the the better interest rate as well. Typically speaking, for investor loans, you can do a 15, 20, 25%. But for cash out refis and things like this, or you know, refinances, 25%'s the rule of thumb to use and usually gets you the best interest rate. And mm-hmm. so you have a note on here too that you think the ARV might have a bump as well for some higher level upgrades.
0: I do. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you Especially... so is it worth it those? It's gonna increase rents <laughs> and will make that much of a difference on the refinance?
0: I don't think I'd worry about it. I would probably shoot for the 265 level um, because I think you're still going to get the same rent rate. Um, so I don't think taking on the additional risk of improving it a little bit more is worth the potential 7,500 um, back, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Great. And then of course, the last R is repeat. So do you know where the acquisition cash came for this property? Is just cash, HELOC, hard money? Do you know what the the source of the funds are?
0: I don't. Okay. I didn't ask. Because yeah.
1: that's always something, you know, we did not talk about, uh, you know, well, we didn't talk about carrying costs, which for burrs are typically, you don't have a tenant in there. So usually you're paying just, you know, utilities and insurance. And then a lot of times your biggest carrying cost is your interest payment, which a lot of times is just a hard money lender or private money lender, you know, private money. But if you have cash, you technically don't have any, you know, interest rate cost to you other than figuring out what your opportunity cost is with mm-hmm. the money, which exactly. is um, not quite as black and white to figure out that. But we, I, you know, personally, I'd rather put $200,000 a property like this than leave $200,000 getting you know, point eight percent right now in my online checking account. Um, so I imagine this investor is probably thrilled with it, right?
0: Yeah. He's yeah. very excited. And he's already looking for his next property to purchase. I think this one was kind of um exciting for Oh, him. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well
1: you answer all my questions, Jenny. Any any final closing thoughts?
0: No, just um I, you know, the only thing I can say is just be persistent. Every once in a while, you'll, you'll run into an opportunity like this, and I think having flexibility in your financing, flexibility and your ability to to close timely, that is um, an advantage that a lot of people don't have, and that could be what sets you apart and being able to procure a property like this one. Okay.
1: Great. Well, Jenny, if people want to talk to you, whether to find you know a, a another partial burr like this or rental, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
0: Um, Just give me an email. It's jenny at envisionrea.com.
1: Wonderful. All right, Jenny. Well, thank you so much for putting this together and uh, look forward to seeing more deals.
0: Thanks, Chris.